Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Doing the Unstuck. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Burn is the House. Oh, I see. Well, here we are then. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim. He's a lesser known character. His name is, you've said that joke so many times. I'm not going to stop. You take my gum out of my mouth. I got in trouble for leaving my gum on the radiator recently. Oops. Good thing you're moving. Good thing I'm moving, and good thing you are here. My friend David. I'm here. Ready to talk about a song. You live right down my fucking street. That's actually not true. Um, Yeah, and what a song we're going to talk about here. Uh Burned is the house. Yeah. Why did you make that joke? I don't care. What was that joke? You made it the. You don't know? No, I don't know. I don't know. So, burned is the house. Uh huh. Burned is the street. Uh huh. The name of this song and those lines are taken directly from the Cure song, Doing the Unstuck. Oh, the Cure? Yeah, never heard of them before, have you? No, the first time I heard of the Cure was in The Wedding Singer when Adam Sandler said. Just so you know, when I wrote this song, I was listening to The Cure a lot. Mm-hmm. How did The Wedding Singer hold up for you? Oh, Wedding Singer. In case you haven't been following, I, at this point, if I haven't clawed my eyes out, have mm. probably finished the Adam Sandler I would assume, right? filmography. I watched The Wedding Singer on a sick day. I loved it. Yeah. I think that it is, as far as the Sandler joints so we don't count punch drunk love because it's a paul thomas anderson picture sure sure the rest of them are directed by his friend yeah um i think it's my favorite i think that i like it more than i like happy gilmore i need to go back to it it's been a long time it's really good it's just it's very it's a tasteful Mm rom-com i think that he is very very good at tapping the energy of just being a shy, kind of quiet guy. Sure, I and see that. Robbie Hart is is as good of an Adam Sandler character as there is. All right, all right, I'll uh, give that a watch soon. So, anyway, th- that's all a reference to this to that Adam Sandler song, is what you're saying? Yes, exactly. burned is the house. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, what do you rate it? Ninety two. Um, so, uh, for some of our, uh, you know, maybe less, uh, musically smart, uh, audience members, could you tell us about this, could you tell them about this Cure song? Sure. It's a song on the record, Wish, which is, uh, from 92, I believe. Containing Friday I'm in Love. Uh-huh. Uh, Doing the Unstuck is not considered one of the hits from that record, though it was a single, um... They still play it pretty frequently. Uh, another very wordy song, similar to Burn Is The House. But, you know, there's a part in the, the back half of that where he says, burn down the house, burn down the street. And burned is the house, burned is the street. 
And I think taking Wish and looking at the way that this song sounds, Wish is coming out of disintegration, mm. which is so big and gloomy and dark mm -hmm. and filled with layers. Wish is just like, let's take every single one of those layers and just hit it with sunshine. Well, Wish is... Wish is probably my favorite Cure record, which is not a popular opinion. That's really interesting. But it's because I think it shows a little bit of everything they can do. Yeah. You know, you've got the big pop songs like Friday I'm in Love or High or maybe even Doing the Unstuck. But then you have the Edge of the Deep Green Sea and Trust and these very like, it's like six minute kind of dirges, but they're more straightforward. They aren't as orchestral. And I think it's, it's always been the record that when someone's like, oh, I don't really know where to start with the Cure. I'm like, I give them that. And I'm like, what did you like? Because that informs what I can then recommend. And I think similarly, you know, I felt like that's kind of a similar thing to Crimson, which I've said to you before. Like Crimson was always that kind of record where I'd give it to someone. I'm like, what did you like? Because if you like these three songs, I can point you in this, you know, and I, th I think it's very, it's very knowing because, you know, or like uh, this being, recorded during the agony and irony sessions where they've got a little more uh studio budget and time i think it's a really interesting counterpoint to crimson which was big but in still, one specific kind of way right 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 and still within the means yeah this is more a tone record than it is an effects record well it's so awesome then that they decided to take uh crimson and then expand outwardly now that they have the major label budget and maybe they've learned some things about how to make a larger production uh -huh. it's so awesome that they put this song on the record yeah they didn't do that and they did record scratch <clears throat> freeze frame you're probably wondering how we got in this situation uh well hmm. yeah great question <laughs> um that was the uh dog covering its eyes with its paw sound yes yes um I've alluded to this song a lot in the course of us doing this, and I'll get into why. Agony and Irony comes out. It's an 11-track record on Epic. It comes out simultaneously with a deluxe edition. This is the first time that the band has done this. They will do a similar version of this on the following two records. What you see as a trend is that the best songs from it, or the best Dan songs from it, are relegated to B-sides and deluxe editions. Now, even in the present day, if you go to Spotify, the song you can't find. Not on Spotify. There's another song called In My Stomach. Also can't find it. Um, we've talked about Agony and Irony songs that are largely bad. Um, there's a couple that made the record that I think are, are good, good-ish, Good adjacent. Um, but this song I have always loved. I remember hearing it and being like, wait, what? Why? Like, I feel like even com in comparison to Agony and Irony, which compared to Crimson is a little more straightforward and is a little more just tonal based. Uh, there's still a lot of just uh, Agony and Irony by and large is very messy. And this song is very confident. There are still layers. There are still things happening. But it's not because the, the song's underwritten. It's just meant to kind of augment what's already there. And I said this to you before we started recording, but I think this song's really telling to me because... David, pre-pro. I've been trying to push pre-pro 
on this podcast. That's, yes. that, that's what we say. So when we it do, sounds cool. When we're doing pro pre, I stole it from Oh Yeah Dude. Um, best podcast in the world. Still, I uh, I said that this is a song that we've talked about how a lot of their best songs feel effortless, and this is not that. There's a lot of work that went into it, and it, it shows in a way that I think matters here. It's such a unique experience to listen to an Alkaline Trio song for the first time and to say, whoa, I got to go back and figure out what's going on here because it's just such a long song with so many parts. Yes, and, and a million words. And not a real clear chorus because there are so many parts that are repeated. It's mm. just this huge epic tale yeah that is so catchy and fun and moving and kind of smart yeah. i think um there's a lot of movement in you know just like it's one of those songs that i've always thought like when it starts i'm like i can't picture matt playing the guitar like this you mm -hmm. know it was just right off the bat it's very warm it's very just kind of jangly very clearly written on an acoustic guitar which makes sense um, you know, but it, there's a lot of like shuffling grooves in it. I love how many tempo changes just happen right off the bat. Yes. Um, similarly, like you said, there's no clearly defined chorus. There's parts I would kind of isolate as maybe being it, but it's hard to say. Uh, it's just one of the songs that I think is very richly detailed. It sounds like it was recorded in a big studio, but there was work put into it, but it wasn't labored over, you know, they didn't overthink it. They just kind of knew what needed to be there. They knew the tones that needed to be there on the drums and on the guitar and on the bass and the kind of little ascending, like little keys and synth pieces, which are very subtle. Um, this always felt like if they wanted to make the alt-rock record with Agony and Irony, um, taking what they learned with Crimson, which is a, a little more heavy-handed in terms of those auxiliary instrumentation parts, this is the song that's the template for it. It absolutely is and i think that one of the things that is maybe confounding about alkaline trio extending i think into crimson mm -hmm. and moving forward is when you look at something like the dan and mike fulmley split sure and the matt skiba and kevin second split and just be like why don't you all just try and take that and put it together and make a record there, yeah, it yeah. would make a lot of sense. Totally. And this seems to be very cut from that cloth. Only what it is, is it's a song that Dan probably came in with it there. Yes. Start to finish. And I can just picture him being like, all right, just follow me along. Just follow me along. And I can see Derek and Matt just being like, you know where we are. I don't know where we are. Just yeah. go with it. And it really takes a little bit of time for the kind of start and stop tempo changes to get through with yeah. themselves. But once it's rolling, it's fucking rolling. And it just takes you along this ride that it's just something that you can latch onto so much and feel and get so, uh, you can get so locked into so many different lines and it's really just it's it's a special little song I think. yeah i mean i think it's just one of those weird things where it's like 
when you look at it and you're like, oh, the song's like four and a half minutes long. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because normally when they do that, they're going 97 or they're going Sadie or they're going Radio. They're fucking doing a ballad. This is not that. This is like arguably like their longest, like kind of peppy little number. And it's it's a bold move, I think. There's, there's definitely decisions made in there that are very deliberate. You know, the bridge that comes in really around like the three minute mark and there's still another minute and a half of song. So fucking good, that bridge. Yeah, it's just like this song takes, it needs to be the length it is. I could see people saying like, oh, it just kind of maybe gets stuck in that groove and just does one thing. But I think there's a lot to really dig into here. There's a lot I like and there's a lot I don't see them ever do again, like before or since. This is a very specific thing they went for and did very well with. And I think to your point of like, it would be great to have seen them bring some of that energy from the the splits they did or even like Dan's first solo record. Like had they brought in some of those elements, I think there's there's really compelling ideas that could have been fleshed out with a band that instead of just trying to maybe make a punk record, was was trying to like just make a nice sounding, finely detailed record. Right. It's it feels like progress the natural evolution of mm-hmm. of i mean there's templates that exist before it too you look at warning sure or you look at don't tell a soul and mm-hmm. and say okay it makes sense that over the course of this time that's where you are and i think that they really just stop themselves because of the negative reaction to crimson where they're just like oh okay Let's like draw back a little bit. We don't want to. We don't want to overdo it. And it's like, no, that's where you're going. <clears throat> well, and I think it's. I think it's partially that, and I think they really wanted to write a hit. I think they wanted to be a big band. And I this think, is a fucking hit. Well, that's the thing. Is like, it's it's always been confounding to me because like when you look at the stuff that was pushed as singles, like I get pushing help me. All right, fair enough. I could see calling all skeletons. I do not get it in vain. Uh, <laughs> and but it's like. This wasn't on the record. You thought it was strong enough to, you know, have people pay another five bucks to get to get it, you know, the day the record comes out. But you're not putting it on the album. And similarly with In My Stomach, like, which I think not a perfect song, but I think is a very good song, very lush, sounds very nice, great album closer. The album closer we have on Agony and Irony is just like a pretty generic, like, radio pop punk song. And... There's just a lot of decisions here where I'm kind of like, I don't know if you fully knew what you were going for, so you went for a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I think they also didn't want to lead with Dan as the vocalist of this band, to be real. I mean, that's that's how that hustle works. Yeah. Um, you can't have confusion in the marketplace. I think that what to me feels very real with this song is is just that it's it's so focused and belabored over because you get the sense that dan really wants to tell this story yeah and he wants to add in as much detail as he can and it has to come out this way and it has to build into this real cathartic bridge in a lot of ways it's it reminds me of a song like thunder road Mm. where you spend so much time just getting to that point where you can 
blow it out. Sure. Pull out of here to win. Sure. And this is really just, it, it takes such a leap. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, a, we reach a point with this band where leaps are not being taken and it's frustrating and then even more confounding mm-hmm. to go back and say, you mean you actually fucking recorded this? Yeah. And no, you decided not to. Yeah. And then a f- stale fart like this addiction follows it. It's mm-hmm. like, well, no fucking wonder. And it's it's like, obviously, do I think this song would have been necessarily a hit single, a chart topper? Probably not. Do I think it would have fared better than what they went with? Probably. Um, and I think there's there's very clear reasons for that. And unlike some of the material on Agony and Iron, it doesn't really feel dated. I think it still feels very fresh. I think it's just one of the songs you could play for people who are maybe not even that into music and be like, oh, that's a nice little song. Well, I mean, I think that that's really one of the... I'm so stoked that you said what you did about Wish because I fancy myself as someone who likes The Cure more than most people who say they like The Cure, Mm -hmm. but Wish is a record that I maybe listened to one time. And yeah, Hmm. there's so many of them. Well, I mean, yes, obviously. And I think maybe at the time that I listened to it, something like that wasn't really what I was, it, it wasn't what I was wanting from The Cure. Sure. You know, when I'm first discovering it, it's like, okay. It's it's not the art record, right? But it's half the art record, mm-hmm. and I think that's what that's what's compelling to me is I feel like, in a sense, like agony and irony is kind of that, but it doesn't have the hits. It doesn't commit to either side. It's trying to split the difference in every respect, and I think that's the difficulty. Is like with a record like Wish, you get both, and you get a full scope of their ability and their interest, whereas. With Agony and Irony, you kind of don't get any sense that this band is unique. You kind of just get that they're just some rock band. And I think that's the great tragedy of it. Is this song, though, you know, it's not really built around a riff or necessarily like, uh, you know, like something as declarative as their prior work. It's just a refined, simple songwriterly take. Yeah. And that's still an evolution. And the added layers on top of it, which, like you said, there's, they're not dated as, at all. Because it's just natural. Exactly. It's just captured in a studio. Shakers and, and bells and lots of acoustic layers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I think of when I think of songs from that era of The Cure, too, where it's, it's less about, you know, drone and, oh, this definitely came out in fucking 1989. Yeah, yeah. That just embrace of you know a studio filled with things that you can put on your record that aren't coming from a computer yeah and i think it's just it's that very simple like crimson always although we both like it i think some of the tones on it are a little goofy and just like they're trying too hard to feel different but this is just a very confident gesture of like we know the song is here we now know how to utilize these things in ways that don't become overbearing so let's just Put them in. And this is a song, like I said, like it doesn't sound like it came about naturally and organically and it was just like one take and boom, perfect. But I think there's a beauty in that because I think it doesn't, it also isn't super complex in terms of you could sit down with an acoustic guitar and play it. 
And I think yeah. that's that's always kind of at the heart of when we're talking about like great pop songs that are based in the rock tradition. That's kind of what you want. You want something where you could bring it down to its component parts and it's not going to necessarily lose that personality. And I feel that way with this. Absolutely. You know, um, whereas certain things from Crimson, and especially this record, you really can't divorce them from the effect they chose. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that this song, at its heart, it's story, and it's a story told over a, uh, you know, longer passage in time, mm -hmm. and it pays off. Yeah. Sticking with it is, is absolutely worth it. Um, have you ever seen them play it live? No. I don't know if they've ever played it live. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I guess, I, it would have been nice to hear both Matt and Dan using this as a template or this as the possibilities of what you could do. Yeah. Because if people don't like Crimson, the best thing that you can do is tone the fuck off. And yeah. Make, and make the thing that you want to make. Totally. Because it's either they're going to, they're already gone anyway. Like me, like I was pretty much yeah. gone. Yeah. And you might as well just fucking go for it. I mean, I just think about, and the one thing I think about a lot is hearing this because obviously it references the cure lyrically, but I think also musically. And there's a couple songs that are on, well, on Crimson or B sides that I think are also a part of that. I think I was a prayer, and I think don't say you won't. Those three are like the perfect encapsulation of what I wish they would have grown into, and that's kind of how I've always viewed it. Is like, uh, you know, those songs maybe not my favorite songs ever, but I really like them. They're kind of in that outlier territory we talked about last week because they're roads unexplored largely. We see the framework, right? But then they refuse to take the full step. And when you see them actually do it, you see a really nice, unique take on that where it's like, oh, it's very indebted to this, but your perspective is still here. It still feels like your band. And oddly enough, none of those songs are written by Matt. Yeah. And One of them was written by Derek. <laughs> and I think to to look at it and to look at the untapped potential in it and then also think about the fact that you can make that record the one that goes all the way in natural tones and mm -hmm. something that's lower down something that's similar to warning and if you want to ramp it back up if you want to go back to the roots and do it it's yeah. gonna sound fresh yes exactly because you've done something else and then they say for this addiction we're going to go all the way back. It's like, you didn't really ever... Get that far away. Yeah. And yeah. now you're just fucking lost. Exactly. And I think that's the problem. Is like, to, to do a return to form, it needs to be more than just like, oh, this record didn't sell or people didn't like it. It needs to be a fucking gesture. It needs to be a movement. Like, you need to do something. You know, this is not like just a flop it's just kind of stuff where it's like oh it's just like a slightly different version of the thing you know well here's what i do know i have a proposition for you for oh, our next patreon episode mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in post-production oh boy post pro 
What do you rate this song? I give this one a lot of love, and uh, it gets four and a half for me. I'm going to... I hate that we agree with each other as much as we do, because, yeah, this song to me is absolutely a four and a half. Yeah. It is not going to get into the league that's reserved for... The all-time greats, but it's... It's fucking great. It's close. When I hear this song, I'm always stoked. Yeah. And part of that is because it's it's one of the few in the modern era of this band that feels lost. Yeah. You know, it feels special and it feels nice to talk about the song and play the song for people because I think it genuinely surprises them whenever it, it comes up. It was great to talk about it. Likewise. It's great to talk about all of these, whether we like them or we don't, or we think that they represent something that is bad or we think that it represents something that is why didn't you do that no matter what i have a great time and uh it was so nice to be able to talk to you again and we hope that you out there are listening and enjoying it as you have been for the last 63 weeks it has been an honor and a pleasure and we hope that you come back next week for another edition another song to talk about and we also hope that you're telling your friends about it that you're rating it and writing a review for it and that you're considering going on over to patreon.com slash as you were and signing up and taking advantage of all the great offerings that we have over there for you in exchange for yeah, a few bucks a month. A few bucks, a little money. Just a few bucks. And either way, we'll be back. It'll be free next week. And it'll be free every week after that until we run out of songs. And then I don't know what I we're don't know. What oh, my like. God. Uh, we're free, Genie. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Thanks, folks.